Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn, shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar, shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Philippians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 2. This is the concluding statement of Paul in this letter. I implore Euodia and I implore, implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, 
and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, we're, my plan <laughs> is to complete the chapter. But we're going to stop right here and cover this. There's plenty right here. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. Paul knows the people of this congregation. As we've cited each time, it was about three weeks ago when we started this, we read that episode in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and his companions come to the city of Philippi and the first place that they go to trying to find the Paul's standard operating procedure was when he went to a new place the first place he would go would be to the synagogue and he would find there Jewish people some of whom were authentically seeking the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and there would be God-fearers there Gentiles who were seeking the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob and some of them would have been exposed to the gospel, some of them not. But he would go in, and they would, as standard format of the synagogues, if you've got a traveling rabbi, hey, you invite him to come and take and come to the and share what you have to share. And so Paul would do that. Well, in Philippi, there was no synagogue because they didn't have a sufficient number of Jewish men to form a synagogue. I don't remember exactly what the number was. They had to have at least 10, I think it was, maybe more than that, of men to form a synagogue. So, where would you go? The standard operating procedure, if there was a nearby river, they would go down to the shore of the river, and there would be typically, if there were Jewish women, but not enough men, they would meet there at the riverside for prayer. That was simply the standard format in the Jewish community and so they went there, and there was a band of women there gathered at the riverside. And Paul and his companion, Silas and others, Timothy was there. They shared the gospel. And Lydia, who was a seller of purple, wealthy gal. Wealth, that was a high status, and it was a very profitable business, and she had a... I will probably in those days would have been called a mansion. And she invited Paul and his companions to actually move in to her house. And that was where they began the church in Philippi. And, of course, the rest of the, the narrative we find in Acts 16 is where Paul is finally cast a demon out of this young lady that's following him who's in the power of the demon saying oh this fellow has the great message from God great message and so finally Paul in frustration cast the demon out of her he and Silas got thrown in jail and so on and so forth and everybody in the jail came to faith in Jesus is God sovereign okay I know how to get a congregation together I'll get them all arrested but 
God is sovereign. Anyhow, so here was this incredible thing. Well, what do we see here? And it's interesting, if you look at the commentaries, there's this mysterious person here. I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche, two ladies in the congregation, well-known, to be of the same mind. Apparently, there's some conflict going on, does not specify, between, okay, I want you to come to agreement. I want you to be of the same mind in the Lord. In the Lord, both be submissive to the Lord, seek His wisdom, seek His counsel, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women. Well, who is that? We're not sure. We're not sure. Uh, very poss- strong possibilities. The fellow who's bringing the letter, Epaphroditus, is the Philippian who's bringing this letter to the Philippians. He came to Paul there in Rome, where Paul is under house arrest, and brought a whole lot of help from the Philippian church to sustain Paul while he's under house arrest there in Rome, and he's carrying the letter back. But my suggestion, and that's all it is, is that the, the you, I urge you also, true companion, help these women. That this you, this true companion, is Lydia. Because number one, the assignment he gives to this you is seek out these women and sit down. It makes sense to me that he would give that assignment to another woman who has leadership capacity ability already demonstrated i urge you also true companion and if you read the act 16 narrative lydia was a true servant yes she was a wealthy woman with a large home but she all why was she at the riverside to begin with because she was a a god seeker she, was, she demonstrated her servant spirit by immediately invited Paul and his, inviting Paul and his companions to move into her house. That's a servant spirit. And so I think we could authentically say that Paul would easily refer to her as a true companion. I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel when I was present in Philippi, these women, Euodia and Syntyche, they were servants. You were a servant. Come alongside of them and help them go through this process of getting whatever the source of conflict is between them, get that, getting that resolved according to God's wisdom. Help. Folks, this is a great format that Paul is immediately expressing here. How are we as a congregation to be operating if we see a brother or a sister that has an issue, whether it's a moral issue or whether it's an issue of not understanding God's ways properly, no matter what it is, approach that. If God has shown that to you, your job isn't to spread the word. (laughs) Your job is to go to that person. How can I help you? How can I be of service to God and you in your as you process this issue? Whatever that is, we are to be servants of one another. And just as we were emphasizing in the 
in the Sunday school class earlier, we are to be foot washers. We are to be servants of one another. We are not to be out there with our egos. We are to be servants. Help these women who labored with me in the gospel. With Clement also. And the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. What is the greatest... Well, the short two-minute or so video, what did this brother who's just went into the presence of the Lord, what was he saying? They quoted, uh, yeah, so his greatest desire was to go be with Jesus. He knew, he said, he said just a few hours before his death, he said, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. I'm looking forward to this. I want it. I want it. I want it. Martin Lloyd-Jones said the same thing. The fact that my name is written in the book of life is the number one. And that's literally, I think, what Martin Lloyd-Jones said. My name is written in the book of life. That's the thing that most heartens me. Whose names are your fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And who's, <coughs> who's penning this letter? A man who's under house arrest in Rome. And yet he is full of joy. As authentic <coughs> followers of Jesus, we get to be inheritors of Jesus' joy. We get to inherit that. We get to walk in it. And it doesn't matter what our immediate circumstances are. The ultimate circumstances, my name is written in the book of life. The ultimate reality is I have a shepherd who has given his life for me, one of his knucklehead sheep, but he gave his life for me. That's how much he loves me. God demonstrated his, his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, as unlike him as we could possibly be, Christ died for us rejoice 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 in the lord always rejoice in the lord that reality that will never change rejoice in the lord always again if you didn't hear me the first time rejoice rejoice and what has he said over this is the epistle of joy this is the epistle of joy. Chapter 1, verse 4. Always in every prayer of mine, making rest for you all with joy. All of my prayer, every time I pray for you, I'm full of joy. Chapter 1, verse 18. In every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preaching. In this I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Chapter 1, verse 25 and 26. And being confident in this, I know that I shall remain and continue with all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. Joy, joy, joy. This is the epistle of joy. It is also, well, chapter 2, verse 17, I am glad and rejoice with you all. <coughs> and there's more. 3-1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Have I made my point? Well, he doesn't stop. 
Why? Because we're all slow learners. Thank you, God, for being aware of what a knucklehead sheep I really am. I do need repetition. I do need it. This is also the, an epistle of peace. 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 Here is a man writing from house arrest who has peace. He is constantly being chained to a member of the Praetorian Guard. <laughs> he has peace. You can't rob a Christian of his peace because Jesus is utterly, completely in charge of our life experience. Verse 4 of chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Let me tell you something, folks. The Greek-Roman world was not known for its gentleness. <laughs> It was known for its harshness, for its ruggedness. It was not known for its gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all men. You want to get the Greek-Roman culture and even the Jewish culture to notice? Be gentle instead of harsh. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is, he can come at any moment. And it's very interesting. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is hammering this. I can come at any time. I can come at any time. But you know what? I don't even know when I'm coming. Only the Father knows. But be ready. Ladies and gentlemen, keep your shoelaces loose. Because he could yank us out of here at any time. And Jesus hammers that more than once. Be ready, be ready, be ready. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. We have a fellow here that's a teacher. Uh, do you do snap quizzes? <laughs> do you surprise qu your students with quiz? Oh, I, I, you're supposed to be ready, students. I can give you a quiz at any time, and it's going to affect your grade. Be ready, be ready, be ready. We could get yanked into his presence at any moment. Be ready ready the Lord is at hand be anxious for nothing stop it stop excusing yourself oh this is so difficult oh, oh, oh. stop it be anxious for nothing God is absolute Lord of your experience Nobody can look at you cross-eyed without divine permission. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, this is to be re your response when you are threatened with, when you're tempted to be anxious. Respond with this, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you for this test. With thanksgiving, I thank you for this test. But in every, but be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, even you will be shocked by the peace he will grant to you. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, what most shocked Pilate, Pontius Pilate, 
when Jesus stood before him with the Jewish religious leadership there campaigning that Jesus should be crucified. The calmness, the peace. Jesus didn't answer any of their accusations. As a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And Pilate finally, what in the world is with you? I've never had a candidate for crucifixion standing in front of me that wasn't screaming out, crying out with everything they could think of to escape it, and you're not answering any of their accusations. Well, none of them are true. <laughs> they did make two true accusations, and he agreed with all of them. Yes, I am the Son of God. Yes, I am the King of it, the Jews. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They got that right. And Pilate washed his hands. I'm washing my hands of the blood of this just man. What kind of a testimony did Jesus make before Pontius Pilate? You know what, folks? I'm not going to be surprised when we get to heaven if we don't find Pilate and his wife because his wife had actually sent him word ahead of time. Don't have anything to do with this just this righteous man because I've been tormented by dreams all night because of him. Don't you dare mess with this, this fellow hubby. Don't mess with him. I'm washing my hands of the blood of this just man. Jesus demonstrated the peace of God. It was a huge impact on Pilate. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard, will fortify your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You will have to your own shock, you will have peace that you knew, you know doesn't originate from you. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding that you can't even get your mind wrapped around will guard your hearts your emotional state, and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, this is what I want you to focus yourself on. And it's a choice. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which, are, which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You need to choose what you focus on in your mind. What kind of literature are you reading? What are you watching on television or other media, listening to? What are you focusing on? What are you allowing to come into your environment? What are you focused on? Number one thing, don't, don't focus on things that aren't true. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, some things are true but not noble. They're not worth our admiration. That's what nobility is. Nobility <coughs> is something worthy of admiration or adulation. <coughs> Whatever things are true. 
Whatever things are noble, worthy of admiration, our attention. Whatever things are just, not wicked, just. Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, focus on these things. Meditate on these things. And we, uh, in the 20th, 21st century world, we, are, we have all this nonsense coming from every direction at us. I mean, it used to be, well, there was a time when, before the printing press, <laughs> how much new information did people have? I mean... Just consider our culture compared to Paul's culture. We are overwhelmed with nonsense, constantly overwhelmed by it. It was bad enough in Paul's day that he's, uh, he's addressing it. In our day, it's overwhelming. You need to discipline what comes into your home, what, comes, what can show up if you have Internet access. What am I allowing and set aside the things that aren't good for your mental and spiritual health. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me that I modeled before you when I and Timothy and Silas were with you and my other ministry companions. We modeled this. What you received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Had the Philippians seen the peace of God and the God of peace resident with Paul? Wow. Paul and Silas got thrown, unjustly thrown into the Philippian jail. Their feet are in stocks. They're in chains. They're in the center of the jail. And what are they doing in the middle of the night? He and Silas are singing out hymns of praise to God. Can we say that the peace of God was resident in them and around them? I think there's pretty strong evidence of that. And they're singing out hymns of praise to God. Suddenly there's an earthquake. Hmm. The peace of God, the peace of God was resident on them. They're singing out hymns of praise to God. And suddenly there's an earthquake. Well, that's a threatening thing when you're in the middle of a stone prison. Are they afraid? No. In fact, the doors all fly open. The chains fall off and the stocks fall off. And all none of the men in the jail fled because Jesus had packed the jail with people who needed wanted to hear needed to hear the gospel. They didn't flee. How big an impact did the Holy Spirit have on them? They didn't flee. The jailer and his his family come to faith. The peace of God resided on Paul and Silas. I want that God. All the other men in that jail who were not happy to be in that jail. They wanted what they were hearing voiced. And the peace of God that resided on them became the other prisoners as well. Verse 10. 
But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care from he has flourished again. Why? Because they've sent this aid to him while he's under house arrest in Rome. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. I'm not being critical of you. I'm thanking God for what you've done. You lacked opportunity before. Now when you had the opportunity, you you jumped on it. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Be content. Be content with a little. Be content with a lot. Don't be overwhelmed by what you don't have or by what you do have. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to walk through that situation with contentment. And I know how to abound and not grasp, lay hold of those things as the source of my life and comfort. No, the source of my life and comfort is my God. Whether I have the stuff or don't have stuff. Everywhere and in all things I have learned. This wasn't something that Paul had instantly as a follower of Jesus. I have learned both to abound and to suffer in need. I can do all things. I can endure all things. I can endure abundance. By the way, abundance can often be a very detrimental issue in a person's life because it, we're tempted to take our focus off the one who granted us the abundance and put it on the abundance, and that's destructive. I have learned both everything and all things. I've learned how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, the source of my happiness is Christ. So having nothing else is fine, and having overwhelming other stuff is okay, but my source of joy and peace is Christ. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. I'm not dismissing what you've done for me. I'm thankful for what you've done for me. You have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. This wasn't the first time that you sent help after me. This wasn't the first time. This has been a habitual reality about my relationship with you. You've always been focused on how can we help the fellow who God used to start our church. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica... You sent aid once and again for my necessities. <coughs> Not that I seek the gift. I've learned how to suffer need. But that doesn't mean I'm dismissing the gift. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Lord, thank you for their spirit of generosity, and I'm asking that you would 
bless them according to their spirit of giving, that you would gift them upon their having gifted me. No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That God will gift you back. Indeed, I have all and abound. I'm not lacking the physical needs. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus, your emissary, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. I love the fact, and I've just been reading through Leviticus, and that's a job. <laughs> but what one of the, it actually portrays our Lord hovering over the altar of incense. God hovers over us when we are walking in faithful obedience to him, believing obedience, and our Lord hovers over us. And I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. He also hovered over the altar of offerings and ah, brisket, yes. I'm not making that up. Indeed, I have all in abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need. <clears throat> he has used you to meet my need. He will also meet your needs. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God is not limited according to what he can bless his people with. He, he owns the universe. It's all his. There is no restraint on him. The only restraint that's on him is really he doesn't want to spoil us. <laughs> My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. What is to be the ultimate outcome of people's viewing my life, says Paul? Look at what God did through this person. And that is to be the motivator and the expectation of all of us. Lord, use me by whatever me, by whatever method or means you choose to bring glory to you. Bring glory to you. Because when we step into his presence, folks, that is going to be the only thing that will matter to us. How, what use was God able to make of me in my earthly walk? And the measure by which I was 
enabled by God to bring glory to God is the measure by which I will experience enhanced kingdom glory. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. You all are meaningful to me. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. And the Roman, the church in Rome, many congregations in Rome were there ministering to Paul. He's already said that earlier in this letter. They're there, and they've actually taken great courage and are more vocal and aggressive in their gospeling, the, the community, than they were before Paul came. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you. All us holy ones send greetings to you, holy ones. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. What? As this is being read in the Philippian congregation, probably in Lydia's house, especially those of Caesar's house. Wait a minute. What did what, 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 you just say, Paul? Oh, yeah. The Gospels penetrated Caesar's own household. Those Roman soldiers, those Praetorian guardsmen that have been forced, <laughs> ordered to come and be chained to Paul day after day after day after day, what do you think he's filling their ears with? Do you think that some of those fellows might have come to faith in Christ? They're, the Praetorian Guard were the sons of the wealthy privileged of Roma. They were, they were the least accessible people in the entire empire, and God has kicked open the door that Paul's gospel, his work, his ministry is penetrating Caesar's own household. By the way, there is an ancient Christian statement in, of his Christian history that Nero's own mother came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he had her murdered before his throne in public because she was refusing to worship him anymore. But she was a member of Caesar's household, and I'm sure there were many others who had heard the gospel, not about the king, but the king of kings, and lord of lords, and god of gods. The members of Caesar's household send you greetings. The grace. Now, it's very easy for us just to read this because it's almost at the end of all the epistles. But don't. It's very important. The grace. The provision. The constant loyal provision of God to us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That is the basic format of the Christian life. We walk by his constant provision. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. May it be so. Our Lord, the lesson the Holy Spirit placed in front of us, joy, peace, grace. 
That's the basic format of the Christian life. We can be so grateful. Joy is a reality that every Christian can be embraced by and embrace back all day, every day, as is true of peace. And the constant supplier of that is the God of grace, the God of gifting. You gift us with peace because we know you govern our life experience completely. And we have the joy of knowing that none of our service is wasted. And we, you are enjoying it all. It is a sweet savor to you. We ask that you would enable us in the next seven days, for the next seven days, to walk in this truth. We have a right to the same expectation that Paul is putting before the Philippians and that he experienced and they were already experiencing to some measure. We ask that for that for ourselves. And we know you're more eager to gift us with this than we are even to ask. Please remind us every day of what we just prayed for. In your name, King Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to close with a simple chorus. Number 580 in the hymn.